Borak Thong Earthlets. My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 82nd episode of Space Spinner 2000. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> A podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD, featuring Judge Dredd for June 1982, Progs 267 to 270. Oh, it's the night after Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature is stirring, except for two best buds doing a 2000 AD podcast, Fox. We're <laughs> stirring real hard. It's it's going to be loud and proud and explosive. Yeah, a little uh, behind the scenes for everybody about when we're doing mm-hmm. all this stuff in our hiatus. Um, it's, so, it's Christmas and summer. Yeah. The, well, I mean, in like, you know, the first week of February, maybe. Um, so ah. this this week on the show, Ace Trucking uh, starts off the Jubilee. Mean Arena gets a, starts a new game. Sam Slade starts a new case. Rogue Troopers starts out along the Dixie front. And Judge Dredd ends the Apocalypse War. I would have also accepted Mean Arena gets a little batty. I'm saving that. (laughs) (laughs) So weird. Yeah. So weird. But before that, let's get a culty fox with 301 Robo Hunter. Oh, man. Goonie Robo. Goonie, Goonie, Robo, Goonie. Robo, Robo. So, script robots, Alan Grant, art robot, Ian Gibson, lettering robot, Steve Potter. So, last week, we left uh, Robo Hunter Sam Slade. He was punching out a nerdy guy <laughs> after having been roughed up by several people and told to lay off the Philby case. And as it turns out, this nerd, in fact, is Philby. Man, like, sometimes you can't afford to take chances. You just gotta pop a guy right in the kisser. That's my motto for so many things. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so this guy, uh, Philby, he needs his missing robot, Ronald, found. Philby is a nerd. Ronald is a nerd robot who's been caring for Philby his entire life, which seems kind of weird, but I don't know how it works with servants and stuff. Like, that could be normal, I guess. Uh. (laughs) You know, lifelong servant, I guess, that you also give a, a, what, kind of chip a free yeah, thought he, chip he fitted ronald with a free thought circuit which allows him to like think for himself and kind of be kind of autonomous and stuff uh two days ago though Ro- you know and he's ronald always sort of talked about trying to find the real him and stuff but mm. two days ago ronald uh left the house to search for his real self and philby is both worried about ronald and definitely like although he always said that he'd support ronald if he left you know he is starting to miss his uh personal slave i mean a companion his companion (laughs) i mean jesus dude suffocation So it turns out that the various robot goons that have been accosting Sam have also been accosting Philby, but he couldn't tell them anything. So after securing a very generous payment, Sam is on the case. Like, the argument, it was like, oh, 500. And then Stogie's like, not 1,000. Why not 2,000? Yeah, about 2,000. Pam, pam. (laughs) And Sam's like, like, 2,000's a lot. I'll settle for (laughs) 1,000. It's good, good move, good negotiating. Yeah, it's just only going up from here. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, God. so Sam decides that uh, Ronald, being a free-thinking robot, has probably found his way to one of the various uh, British robot cults that seem to exist in Britsit. Um, Which I <clears throat> maybe this is like lost on me. 
Is this like a thing? Like, well, he this take he eventually makes his way to the Goonie Temple, right? And yeah. the Goonie Temple, like to me, this might not be the thing, but like in the '80s, there was a like this guy, some young moon, had like a temple that people call like the Mooney Temple sometimes. Uh. Um, and then these, and then the Mo- the Goonie Temple guys like b- wear robes and chant various combinations of Robo Goonie. Like Fox did at the start of this thing, you know, Robo Goonie, Goonie Robo, Goonie Goonie, Robo Robo, you know, and that sounds very like 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 Hari Krishna, you know, who sort of they always chant combinations of a Hari and Krishna like that. I'd say so. This feels like a double sort of combo of making fun of those mm. two things, if you ask me. Cults, man, they weird. <laughs> yeah, but way more mainstream. I feel like maybe in the early '80s than they used to be. You know, like they always used to talk about like being like <laughs> Hari Krishna. Yeah, well, like, there used to be, like, a joke of there just being, like, Hare Krishnas at airports and stuff, and you never see those guys anymore, you know? Or I don't, at least. It's pretty true. Yeah, I don't ever yeah. see them, thank God. Anyhow, uh, the Ro- the Goonie Temple guys can't reveal the names of their members, but Sam's pretty suspicious. So he has Hoagie infiltrate the cult. Meanwhile, Sam and Stogie... So I mean, you know, you gotta leave... You gotta count on Stogie or Hoagie at some point, I guess. But mm. so... So Sam and Stogie go to check out Imperial Robotics, which is the company that built Ro- Ronald. Um, but they stonewall also, him. Yeah, they, they stonewall him, but Sam won't let that kind of wall stop him as we next see him climbing the literal wall of the robotics company to break in, and uh, he, which, of course, as he, infiltr- as he diehards his way into the uh, production facility, goes right into the arms of some robot goons. <laughs> which are the same punch, punch yeah. bots. Yeah, just sort of like big, big square, big like CPUs with punching, uh, with uh, punching gloves attached to them, boxing gloves. It's really, it's really great. They're <laughs> super goons. Yeah. So inside the inside Imperial Robotics, Sam hacks a computer. He learns that Ronald was uh, probably part of a study called the Random Robot by Professor Q. But before he yeah. can learn what that means, he comes under attack by those robot thugs. And, and they're just punching away. Yeah. This time they aren't trying to warn Sam. They're trying to kill him. And there's a ton of them. But Sam manages to escape into a warehouse full of angry anti-intruder robots. <laughs> Dude. And it's like a it's like a Scrooge McDuck-sized pool. Yeah, just a giant, a giant warehouse floor full of giant robots that Sam is sort of suspended above on an elevator, but it's slowly descending to the angry bots. So to avoid this, Sam grabs a nearby rope and uh, swings his way to safety. He manages to do this. He he breaks out of a window, but he forgot that this whole situation was going on four stories up. So. He falls four stories. He manages to land mostly safely, but does break his ankle. Um, Which, uh, I had four-story drop, just an ankle break. not bad, yeah. Yeah, holy Joe Smith. <laughs> on, the, uh, on the way home, or on, he's accosted by East End Ernie, who's another one of the guys that's been leaning on him. Uh, Sam gives he's him the, the guy profess- slaps him in the face. Yeah, like S- East End Ernie's a jerk. Totally. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sam gives him the Professor Q info, but Ernie already knew that, so he slaps Sam in the face for his trouble. Sam stumbles home. The final insult being that Stogie is cutting his nicotine back another ten percent. Ooh. <laughs> 
Which, like, man, his ankle just got broken. I guess it's Stogie's job, but also... Yeah, he knows what he's doing as part of Sam's treatment plan and stuff, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, though, a broken ankle won't stop Sam Slade, Fox. Um, after getting patched up, he gets a call from Hoagie. Hoagie has found Ronald, but he can't tell Sam where he is because that would violate cult rules still. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sam is furious. Like really yeah, and Hoagie goes to chant with his new buddy Ronald. Hey, all right. <laughs> yeah, man. Sam's uh, getting... He's got this problem, but he just doesn't have enough confidence in me. Now let's chant and be weird. Yep. <laughs> uh, Sam snags a hover car, basically doing like a, like a, hey, you want to take this for a test drive? Sure, I'll be back in a couple of days kind of moves. <laughs> it's, it's so great. And like, I guess just the robot can do nothing. I, you know, he's just like, oh, I guess he's going to test drive it, whatever. Um, so Sam goes to see Professor Q, who is a robot professor at the local university. Um he quickly spills the beans to Sam. Ronald's uh, free-thought circuits have given him special abilities, which means that he can now read minds. Don't worry, Hal. There's some sci-fi gobbledygook for it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> this was, like, so bizarre. It's just like, oh, he's got this free thinking circuit and everyone's after him because he's a psychic robot yeah now he's a psychic robot including a bunch of uh, men in black government agent droids that now attack sam oh god it gets so weird yeah it they try so weird they try to arrest him for national security reasons but suddenly the bell rings for class getting out and sam loses them in the press of students Sam then runs into the school swimming pool, bursting through the ladies' locker room, of course, and he hides Hello, in the only lady. available spot, which is atop the highest diving board in the pool. Um, which, un- you know, works for a small period of time. Yeah, until Secret Agent Bot 004 climbs up that very same board to get a better view to try to find Sam. And so, how do you get him off? You don't use the leg that works. You use the broken one to kick him in the face. Yeah, yeah Sam Sam uses his broken ankle to kick the uh, agent off the side of the pool and escapes into it as the agent bots become increasingly nationalistic. They, like, yeah. call Sam a filthy foreigner. They start singing, like, rule Britannia and stuff as they, like, shoot him as he swims through the pool. As he as they shoot at like everybody, yeah. rule, dad. I don't know how that song goes. I gotta say, um, but so, um, sorry. Eventually, Sam is able to take the men, take down the men in black bots, destroy their black boxes, so he can't be tracked. Um, Which but then after so he just oh, after he takes down these these uh, secret agent bots, he realizes <gasps> that he dropped Stogie in the pool. This is um, so awesome. It's like a, a page and a half of of Joe just all that water. Yeah. All that water can't be good for a robot cigar, Fox. S- Sam jumps in. He des carries Sa- uh, Stogie back to his hotel room. Does some desperate soldering and a little like Robo <laughs> CPR, basically. Um, yeah. And it finally manages to revive the robotic cigar, and we're back in business. <laughs> <laughs> he kisses Sam Slade's tongue like a yeah. lot. Yeah, Stogie goes straight like a Pepe Le Pew, like you know, like you saved me, Senor. Mwah, 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 mwah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it was adorable. He, yeah. he actually likes Stogie so much Definitely. so that he jumped into a pool after him. Yeah, I, was... 
I appreciate Sam liking the occasional robot. And, you know, it's clear that he likes Hoagie to an extent, too, although he's also exasperated by him, I'd say. Yeah. Like, he wouldn't put him on the case if he really hated him, you know? That's pretty fair. He'd just get him junked or just shoot him, I guess, because that's how he solves a lot of his problems. (laughs) Anyhow, next time, back to the Philby case. (laughs) This Philby case is getting problematic. Things are getting crazy with these robot with this robot cult and then all the people coming after Sam for it, you know? I'm just I'm ex- saying, if a man slaps me in the face uh, after I give him the information that he requested I give him, I, like, I'm, I'm already pretty ticked. And then you my foot breaks. You gotta assume Sam is plotting revenge somehow. Like, he's gonna, you know... If this is any kind of noir story I'm familiar with, Sam's already got some idea that's gonna end up taking out East End Ernie and the rest of these various goons, you know? <laughs> Shoot him. You'd, you'd hope so, at least. Mm-hmm. Well, he's already, I guess he's already taken it out on uh, on the uh, special um, branch yeah. dudes. So there's some. You know, it's it's all going to come together. But hey, speaking of just shooting them, Fox, <laughs> it's Thrill 2 Rogue Trooper. There's a lot of just shooting them in this. That's true. Script robot Jerry Finley Day, art robot Colin Wilson, letting robot Bill Nuttall. So, oh man, this gets this gets weird with the medic lady. Yeah, all the uh, all the things that happen in this. So new Atlantis. So this is really the first big like rogue epic, I'd say, the like big continuing story of Rogue Trooper. You know, mm, like yes. I mean, even the other ones we've had have just sort of been like two or three parters, and this is one's like a a a, a big multi parter. So New Atlanta is being a sabotaged by filth columnists. Um, our new our new friend's sister Sledge suits up as Rogue heads out to survey the damage, and then after a quick fake out as another lady dies, um, we see Bubble Dome starting to blow up all over the place. Rogue and the sister manage to gun down a few more fifth columnists, filth columnists, I should say, as others <laughs> shoot escaping Southers. Um, the fighting's pretty tense, and we see Rogue and the sister go to like the, try to go to the local broadcasting studio to try to raise the alarm, and they find everybody yeah. in there was gassed to death as well. It's like, not great for everybody in Dixieland. I mean, there's definitely a lot of death and destruction, but you know, all this sabotage is pointless without a ground assault, right? I mean, where are the real Norts? And the answer is, they're bearing down on us from the black hole slash warp gate that dominates the sky of New Earth. The drop on then, Dixie has begun. And then the coolest things since uh, totally. yeah, Mach a- ones like uh, uh what is it? The the not frog troopers, whatever. Sun Legion. They're, yeah, they're this is very invasion. Like, I feel like 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 very like how Jerry Finley Day also had these kinds of tro- kind of specialized Volgan troops in the pages yeah. of Invasion. We're starting to get them in uh, in Rogue Trooper as well. So yeah, the first wave of Norton Vaders is the Sun Legions, space launched hang glider troops. Fuck yes. As they rain down, the, they, the Southers have lost their air defenses, but Rogue is undeterred. He starts shooting them out, out of the sky, but even then there's too many of them. Um, so instead, he has the uh, Southers start blowing up fuel supplies and ammo dumps. The hot air messing up with the thermals in the air, causing these Sun Legion guys to sort of be blown off course or just be easily shot or like burned to death in midair. You yeah. know? <laughs> 
just because like if they if they decide to chance it and land, it's just a burning inferno yeah. waiting for them. It's great. Yeah, the Southers burn the ruins of their city, manage to throw off the sun the Sun Legionnaires. That waves as fails, but the Norts have other tricks up their sleeves as platoons of foot troops <laughs> in watertight bubbles begin to assault the beaches. Like it's if you have you seen two, uh, two men per weird capsule? Have you seen uh like the uh, the Uma Thurman uh, Avengers movie Fox? Like not the Marvel one, but the one that's based on like the British TV show. Uh, vaguely remember it. There's from a my part childhood. in there, there's a part in that where they like walk into a base across the water in these like waterproof like uh, plastic balls, and this is very similar to that. It seems like. Oh, that's real great. From the sea come North Sea infantry and these inflatable bubble things. Oh, they're squashing dudes to death on the shores and threatening the Souther line. (laughs) Bob squashed to death. (laughs) It's it's exactly the balls deflating, squashing the life out of me. Squashed. Road borrows a bunch of seal bursters and then leaving Helm Helm and Bagman behind, he goes hunting beach ball troops the only way to destroy the balls underwater is to get right up close to them and blow them away from point blank range fox <laughs> yeah and of course like i guess he can just breathe under toxic water yeah he can you know he can like hold his breath and not be damaged by the like lethal chemicals in the water there man he's genetically engineered he's a gi it's, that's fair yeah. but then of course now he's come up for air and he's getting flanked. But he manages to... Some Southers show up to provide covering fire. But then those guys are in turn killed by other covering fire. Oh, jeez. Oh, God, it's just all these people dying. What can just we do? Dying guess, and counter-dying. Just, just go back to shore and, and yeah. get back with your medic lady what you yeah. found. Rogue meets back up with Sister Sledge. They get a message from the Souther battle computer. The eastern flank of Dixie is all rolled up. Head west, young man, to safety. So let's head out. What? I didn't get that. Like, why Why, young man? That's like yeah. a saying that's like... I forget what it, I forget the context of. There's something that's like sort of some guy asked for it to do, and the answer was like "Go west, young man." It's part of like Manifest Destiny for um, uh, like, okay. you know, American settlers and stuff. Like it was like a big newspaper headline or something like that. I want to say you're not even kidding. That is an actual thing. It's a yeah. phrase often credited to the American author and newspaper editor Horace uh, Greeley. Oh, hey, look at Conrad knowing stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty fair. The Souther survivors of the Dixie Front are moving out, but a few pockets of resistance are now under attack by sight gas. Oh, they're coming under effect of the Dreamweaver. The gas of his... The gas is appearing as like various kinds of dancing things. There's old-fashioned hoedowns. There's new wave funky dancing, which I think is really funny because the uh, everybody's talking about the different kinds of dancing. And they're like, we got funky dancing! You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and basically everybody sees like hot chicks dancing in this gas. And they're like, oh, well, I'll take off my protective gas masks and dance along with them and instantly die. You know? I, I mean, really, it should just be called Sexy Gas. It's true. So, 
yeah, everybody demasks and dies and stuff outside of a memphis with the two F-I-Z-Z. Oh, yeah. There are these geysers that allow humans to breathe without uh, gas masks on them, just the air from the from the uh, gas geysers. And that's where we catch up humans with Rogue like and Sister Sledge. All the stuff. You know, just yeah. like they, they establish things and then they immediately find ways to contradict it. That's how you do it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then also, like, ah, oh, crap. We got people coming in on us. I guess we'd better randomly disrobe. Yeah, they just, you know, yeah, so they're like resting and Sledge is uh, demasked. They hear a Nort patrol coming and they strip down and start like waltzing in the gas, basically. And, um, in the, the nutty, the Nort, the, the Nort troops think that maybe they're just seeing some like minor residual hallucinations as an effects of the dream weaver uh, gas you know that might still be in the air because they've they've demasked as well so uh uh rogue and sister sledge head out with the chips arguing over whether they should trust or stick around with this new lady team members uh next time synth it again sam Man, uh, Gunner is real distrustful of the lady types. Yeah, but Helm really likes the ladies way too much. <laughs> and then Bagman's like, oh, geez, what if she finds out that I'm a broken chip? That would be real embarrassing. <laughs> oh, man, it's like they're three different people. You know, they're the original, they're the original odd couple, except there's four people involved. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man, okay. Well, I mean, you know, Rogue. Rogue's kind of a he's kind of a blank canvas IMO. I mean that's true, you know. Everybody else is defined by clothing and Rogue's just defined by the fact that he doesn't like authority or whatever. <laughs> that he really wants to kill one specific person or a, a group of people who may or may not have had some yeah. uh, hand in, in what what's going on. By the way, speaking of revenge yeah, speaking of, of a man fueled by revenge against various groups of people, it's Thrill 3 Mean Arena. Thank you, Fox. I was about to do that myself. <laughs> you know, I uh, once in a while, uh, a stroke of genius comes along and, and uh, I follow totally. that thread. Yeah. So people <laughs> think I'm smart. So, script robot for Mean Arena is a Ridgeway art robot, Mike Weiss, letting robot uh, Peter Knight. So, Matt Talon Fox, he's oh, man. We're gonna have some. We're gonna have some character development for him. Yeah, he's tracking his new teammate Brazen, who's a lady, but loses track of her bike. Luckily, creepy robot guardian in the form of a nine-year-old <laughs> boy, Chip, is there to help out. Uh, reep, reep, reep. They managed to track Brazen's like motor scooter bike to an apartment complex that's full of ladies, and they enter her flat. Yeah, like fuck, and then just like go into this woman's house. Hey, you know it's a swinging, uh, futuristic ladies' apartment development. I don't know. But just, yeah, you just let yourself in, I guess. Yeah, they toss her flat, but moments later they get a phone call, and then the phone explodes. Uh, well, luckily, just like, why would you answer someone else's phone in their that's house? Super fair. Luckily, Chip is there to catch the brunt of the blast, and Talon is devastated by it. He's uh, brought yeah, in to make his... this child is torn apart by this explosion. That's true. Yeah, he gets real naturalistic. 
he gets real natural about it too. Like, oh, I've got to get the, I got to get Chip to the hospital. Wait, no, he's just like a freaky robot. Um, what do I do with this? He's like holding his his like viscera in his arms. Yeah. What's left? <laughs> Chip. So uh, Sam's taken in for a statement for the cops, and the press uh, finds him, and he refuses to come, and he's he'll all only discuss street football, and some chuckleheads and like, just oh, well, rushes the dudes. Like microphone with his Android hand. Yeah, and then some other guys like, oh, well, looks like there's street football news, buddy. As we see that the team for the Slayers' next match has been found. We'll remember, Fox, that this game has a million-pound side stake, and if they if the Slayers lose it, it's going to really piss off their uh, sponsor, Rolo Hardy. You know, wheelchair-bound cyber goblin. Um, <laughs> Speaking the, of stakes, yeah. The, the manager of their of their next appoint next opponent is a creepy eyeless crone lady in a dope evil throne known only as Earth Mother. Although next yeah. prog she her name changes to Mother Vlad, so don't worry about it too much because she's the boss ah. of Mother Vlad Mother Vlad's vampires, which she controls and, via and telepathy. So just they take it to such an extreme. They're they're going crazy with it. Yeah, she controls them with telepathy. She's got full-on vampire teeth, and the Slayers are freaked out. They're more worried about losing Rolo Hardy's Kaziflex sponsorship. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Matt Town. I guess is, that just oh. means the end of them, even though they've been on like a winning streak, except for one time. Yeah, like it's not clear. Like I guess they're just at a, at a very high level of sponsorship right now. Like even their recent winning streak, they'd probably just you know they're like Division Three, so it'd be hard for them to get like a real high level sponsorship. Otherwise, you know. No, that's fair. Even with recent, like I think it's just that the like it'd be like you know if a uh, if like. Uh, you know, a soccer team in England that was like three divisions down. You know, like a like a Division One team or something like that um, mm. was suddenly sponsored by like Nike or something. You know, like uh, some place that usually <laughs> only has like a couple thousand people. Co- you know, like a, a couple hundred people come to the game or suddenly have like a billion dollars. And, and like the reason why is because of like a blood vendetta. <laughs> I mean that's why it is. Yeah. Okay. You know I don't want to like let's let's not get too crazy with questions. Split hairs. Yeah. Because <laughs> we got crazy like vampire teams, man. But first we uh, uh, t- we see Talon down at the Android Service Center getting chip re- repaired, even though it doesn't look good. And then the uh, the team heads out to the spooky estate where this team will take place. And while Brazen okay, isn't around, so, so Wolf Rocker is like doing uh, arm wrestles and stuff. Yes. Okay. So so two things. First, he, he we make a pit stop at the Android Service Center to sass the guy for saying that it's really hard, and he's like, "I'm paying you. Grab <laughs> you by the scruff. Make yeah. make my chip good." And then we go over the top. With frickin' Wolf Rocker and the other guy who I Sourpuss. forget his name, Big Strongman, Sourpuss. Yeah, they're doing they're doing an over the top. It's great. Yeah, they're doing some doing some arm wrestling. You know, it seems like you would just like pull the hard drive out of chip and put him in a new chip model. That's what I would figure they would do. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe I don't, I'm thinking about this too much. Yeah, Fix I don't your know. Nine year old obsession. I don't know how 1982 or how 2025 technology through the lens of 1982 works, you know? Um, 
So, but but Fox, what's Flopper important does. is that is that there's this vampire team, all right, and they are very bat themed. Uh, they can glide through the air. They got big ears <laughs> and stuff. As the Slayers arrive, Talon uh, comes under psychic attack from Mother Vlad, which is not fair, if you ask me. I, but, I feel like that's offsides, but I guess nothing is offsides yeah. in street football except for killing people directly. Yeah, generally, though, I want to say big ups to Paul Hadwin, who won 10 pounds for this creepy-ass street <laughs> football team, dude. Good job. All right, so so Mother uh, Mother Vlad is sending Matt Talon these crazy vampire Batman visions, and he's freaking out. Uh, we see Talon lash vampire out. Vampire Batman Batman. Yeah, he ends up uh, beating the crap out of Sourpuss, the Slayer's goalie. Like, in the end, they have to knock him out to get his cyber hand to release this vice grip around Sourpuss's neck. And, like... And, and like, mind you, they brush that shit off super hard yeah. and then tell Sourpuss to, like, to basically quit bitching. Yeah, play ball, guys. We gotta go. The, the match is held in these gothic ruins. Vampires are oh, really playing so it up. For the Slayers to score, Fox, they have to <laughs> go into this uh, vault and drive a stake through the heart of the vampire goalkeeper like Van Helsing style. It's pretty complicated, I gotta say. I mean, but I will say, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess that's what you get when you have a game that has such high stakes. Oh! oh. Okay. <laughs> 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 um so the slayers are in position that, for the start that, of the game the it's pretty bad uh you know the so players for the slayers are in are in position the umpires are there so's uh, mother vlad at some point yeah her name changed from mother earth to mother vlad i don't know rollo hardy's there he really yeah. wants this win the match begins talent once again comes under psychic assault and the vampires have the ball uh, oh my god Na Na Napoleon, What's going on with this talent guy? Yeah, Na Napoleon Jones tries to cut off of all the ball player, but gets hit by the bite of the vampire, which seems to paralyze him. Suddenly, a bunch oh. of vampires are bearing down on Sourpuss, and it looks like they're gonna score. Oh man, so tense. It's Bats. real problems. Next Space. time, a quick bite. <laughs> It doesn't tell me much. I mean, someone already got bit by a, the bite of the vampire. Yeah, that was more like a jab in the in the in the throat with like a finger. Yeah, or something. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get this bat team. I mean, honestly, they're real, they're real thrown together. Yeah, I'm starting like the fact that there's like psychic magic in this thing now is kind of throwing me for a yeah. loop. I'm, I'm sort of hoping it will reveal. It will reveal itself to be like Scooby Doo style trickery or something like that by the end of this uh, match, you know? I, I I guess it's just like all it's all so weird. Like definitely, his nine year olds all fucked up. They're fighting in in a <laughs> gothic temple where it's like, a, do they have to like beat up sourpuss and like drive a stake into sourpuss? It seems like they just scored the usual way. Bats? Yeah. Which is like that's pretty cheap because like he, I mean yeah. wrestling a dude and then staking him is yeah, that's a lot of work. Seems much harder, yeah, definitely, yeah. Because Sourpuss seems to just be defending a regular goal, like as we go as we go to the cliffhanger yeah. here. It's not like in a house where you throw it at a weird nose and then yeah, you gotta there's fight like a whole a bat. there's a whole wrestling part of the of 
the uh, of how the Slayers <laughs> have to score. That's not even like this is a whole different part, kind of game. Like it turns into like some kind of American Gladiators thing or something. I, I guess what we're saying is, once again, Mean Arena has very little to do with the game and a lot to do with the vehicle by which uh, Matt Talon will dispense some amount of murder on someone. A lot of, you know, it ends up being confusing. I feel like we're going to get some more weird Mean Arenas by the end of this. But, Fox, oh I'm man. Go- I'm glad. I mean, I'm interested. Oh, I like man. it when it's weird, you know. But let's uh, let's cool yeah. things out for just a second with non-thrills, covers, and nerve centers. Oh, man, we get to watch Judge Dredd uh, straddle a <laughs> There's some good stuff here, man. You know, 267, yeehaw! It's uh, Brett Ewens drawing an iconic Doctor Strange love-inspired uh, Dredd cover with Dredd uh, riding the missiles straight to Mega City 1. In, awesome. in, the, in the nerve center here, Tharg the Cyborg lets us know about the coming of his trio of <laughs> news bots, which will cover various sci-fi topics. Uh, we'll, we'll do more Ooh, as, they, yeah. as they arrive. Um, All right. There's letters that complement the new Robo Hunter. Another calls back to an Alan Moore future shock. And then there's both a picture and a letter complimenting Mean Arena, which I guess, you know... Uh, Mid-Prog is right. a short story called Dark Glass by reader Kenneth Baylor. And it's a kind of an interesting, kind of fun thing. It's from the perspective of a GI that died in the Quartz Massacre. And then there's also huh. a bunch of uh, fan art that's like, Will They Return? Oh, which has a nemesis. Alpha, Wolf, F- yeah, Fink Angel, Johnny Alpha and Wolf, and the Gronk, and Rojas and Hammerstein. Just to let you know, Fox, um, Fink mm. will be back first. He'll be back this fall. Um, and then Rojas and Hammerstein will be back last in 85. And then the... What? Uh, ABC ne- Warriors? Yeah. ABC Warriors. Be, ABC Warriors uh. will, will be back as part of Nemesis the Warlock, so freak out. Um <laughs> What? What? I've said what? too much. I've said what? too much already. And then uh, oh Johnny Al- and then uh, Strontium Dog and Nemesis will be back in the same prog. Both their sto- their stories will restart, but that'll that's oh. not until 1983. That's so a little bit of time still. So great. <laughs> and then this pro this prog ends with a pinup of Brazen from Mean Arena. So it makes me think okay. maybe she's supposed to be a good guy or something because it's kind of a good guy pose and stuff it's not like uh she's all evil and stuff but it's, it's hard to tell and plus it's just hard to be yeah. evil when you when you ride a scooter that's my that's my stance <laughs> <laughs> you can't be evil if you ride a scooter i mean you can only maybe you can only be so evil you know what i mean <laughs> that's i mean fair that's these are good points yeah uh, Prog 268, watch out, Sam Slade, you're under heavy metal attack in this Ian Gibson cover. Yeah, he's oh, just man. Watch shooting. Out for them yeah, he's just w- avoiding those square computer robot thug guys with the big gloves and stuff. It's pretty good. In the nerve yes, center. Yes, do. I wouldn't want to get punched. I don't want to get punched, man. Not by giant robot fists. Uh, in the nerve center, Tharg is ace uh, trucking. Which is pretty good. Yeah, and he lets us know about DJ One, the new music robot, and warns us that there's a dread rerun this this uh, prog. 
Then uh, reader right. Paul Harris makes a play to become a new writing droid. Glenn Leith tells us who's on first and or, or tells a who who's on first style trucker joke. And Daniel uh, Greffield awesome. laments not being able to get 2080 in Hong Kong. <laughs> wow, that sucks. I just like naming the, the these got these writers sometimes. <laughs> There's also a picture Ooh. of a melty frog enjoying 2080. <laughs> And then, which is pretty weird, but I mean, yeah, it says all aliens read 2000 AD. Uh, Mid Prague, we meet DJ One, who is the 2000 AD music robot, and he's like Mm. a caricature that is not super cool, I guess. Um, But he's got music news, Fox. It's a lot of stuff about soundtracks, like the Blade Runner soundtrack, the Escape from New York soundtrack. Yeah, uh, Brett Ewins did an awesome wolf-based cover for the album. For, for, for an album by the band Tank, or in how uh, huh. Duran Duran, I guess they wanted to meet Arthur C- Arthur C. Clarke in Shanghai, but then didn't, I guess? Which is a weird, a weird story. <laughs> okay. And then uh, readers, if you happen to be in, ni- in early or in uh, mid-1982, you can write in to get a single from a band called The Astronauts. Oh, and uh, then also in this prog, since there's a Dread rerun featuring a classic Ian Gibson-drawn Dread story, there's also a sweet, a cool version of Dread drawn more modern style by by Ian Gibson in this prog. In, in a, a black and white pinup. Yeah, man, he really has built up a lot. Like he's added a. You, you can. It's fun to sort of see compare like a 1977 Dread versus a 1982 Dread. You know. Like you oh, really yeah, see the difference, time. even the little things like the helmet design, but then the more stuff like just how big all of his knee and elbow pads have become, and how he's just put on a lot of weight and stuff like that. You know, Dread take Dread's been bulking up. You know, he's been lifting and stuff. I guess. <laughs> hey man, what so, else does he do between fighting criminals and then falling asleep? That's fair. In two sixty nine, Nane Rogue goes undercover to kill dudes at point blank range. This Colin Wilson cover in the nerve center. Uh, apocalypse war problems continue. Uh, just sort of means that we aren't going to have color for the last two episodes of it. Letters include a kid calling his cabinet full of 2000 ADs a Tharg cabinet. There's praise for TB oh. Grover, a kid who's been beating arcade games and then signing 2000 AD names to all the high scores. Um, oh, that's and th- great. And then another kid made a, a top 10 list of Termite, like for songs and stuff. And while these songs are all clearly references to something, I'm not sure what they're references to, just in terms of like what's on the charts in this era and like what the 2080 stuff is. I don't know. Um, oh, there's also a picture of Dread of the Apocalypse War that could not more clearly be three 100% traced Dread images. <laughs> wow. Uh, Mid Prague, we meet Specs, who is Tharg's sci fi book review oh, droid. Yeah. He's got a weird speech impediment, like a, a cyber stutter, kind of. Yeah, um, I, I feel this, it makes me feel very weird. Yeah, I would say his reviews also are mostly just transcriptions of the backs of the books for these things. Um, there's, oh. there's a, there's a, because it's not like why they're good, it's just sort of explaining what the plot is more, I'd, I'd say. Um, but he sort of he covers uh, God Emperor of Dune by Frank Herbert, The Crystal Singer by Anne, McCra- 
and McCaffrey and Friday by Robert Heinlein, which uh, if you want to read a book, Fox, that starts off with a first-person account of a woman being raped and kind of being into it, written by an old white guy, that then turns into a platform for his crazy right-wing political views, Friday might be the book for you. (laughs) Okay, so I know what I won't be reading on the plane. It's definitely something that... Like I was really when I was a kid, I was really into Heinlein's like fifties uh, and sixties like juvenile like action books, and then I read some of his other stuff, and I was like, "Whoa, this is probably too grown up for me." I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> oh my god, that's real bad. Yeah, this prog ends with uh, we both we see the start of an advertising comic for the forthcoming Secret of Nim movie with those crazy mice, and then yeah, a new Secret adventure. Totally. And then a new adventure of the Weedabix crew. They've now acquired some mm-hmm. kind of crazy breakfast gun. <laughs> they look so much like uh, hash browns to me. They look 100% like McDonald's hash browns. <laughs> like, and it makes me really hungry for McDonald's hash browns, but then I remember it's Weedabix, which it's I feel like. A weird breakfast cereal. I don't know. Uh <sighs> In Prague 270, Ace Garp is trying to get his love on in this romantic-ass cover to by Massimo Bellardinelli. Beast! <laughs> um, it's, it's a half-size... weird. <laughs> Feek's wife is a weird lady. Um, there's a half-size nerve center as there's more Secret of Nim action this week as Tharg the Explorer yeah. returns to Quaxon to recharge his thrill reserves. This prog also, we meet the third of Tharg's new droids, uh, D-Mill, who <laughs> covers film news. There's some discussion of just a rogues gallery of early 80s like sci-fi and fantasy hits. Blade Runner, Wrath of mm-hmm. Khan, Tron, Conan the Barbarian, Krull, E.T., even Supergirl. Krull. God, Supergirl? Supergirl's not great, I gotta say. But you know, it's, it's got, really it's, bad. It's, it's got Faye Dunaway. I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> doesn't yeah. make things better. Hey, Supergirl is underwhelming, but you know it's not underwhelming, Fox. Oh man, oh man, I know exactly what's not underwhelming. Thrill four, Judge Dread. It's <laughs> real good. It's real, real good. Uh, script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant as T.B. Grover. Art robots Carlos Escara and Ian Gibson. Letter robot Tom Frame. So, okay, Fox. Dread, in a, in a, picking up from last week, Dread presses the button and 20 tads home in on East Meg 1. Total annihilation devices. Three make it through this is bad news. the East Meg 1 defense grid and the entire city of East Meg 1 disappears from the face of the earth in a hot, fiery holocaust. It's 500 oh, billion man. people. It's gone now. The blast is visible from East Me- from, from Mega City 1 on the other side of the planet. And, and is and it, it like even though the Sav people are like, I don't know what this means. All of the people, or all of the judges from Mega City 1 are just reinvigorated. They know exactly (laughs) what it means. They're like, we gotta keep fighting, they got nothing left! (laughs) Um, Back at at the captured missile silo, Dredd orders his team to surrender to the devastated East Meg judges. This was such a smart play. It's really hardcore. 
because Kazan, like the war marshal, gets word of Dredd's actions, and because of that, he like wants Dredd brought to him instead of just having the silo like just be destroyed out of hand for being traitors, basically. Mm-hmm. Um. So Dredd is to deal with himself. He sentences his former right hand man Isaacs to a daily game oh, of Russian God. roulette. Which Fox? This is really that, fucked up. I want you to know, Russian roulette is not actually Russian. All right, just so you know. <laughs> really? Yeah. History, me. I don't want to get into it, but listen, Dread and his judges are taken into Kazan's uh, custody, and then the silo and all the troops within it are destroyed as punishment for their incompetence. But what will happen to the Mega City One judges, Fox? Obviously, nothing good. <laughs> Oh, God. But then because of production delays, we're forced to do a rerun. This uh, The next prog of a classic Dread story. The uh, You Bet Your Life one from Prog 25, episode 7 of this podcast. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cute. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, Dread and Walter hunt down an illegal broadcast of a murderous game show, You Bet Your Life. Um, it goes, it, it's pretty fun. It's pretty murderous. Like, uh, granny gets sent to a plutonium <laughs> mine. The wife gets killed by a giant deadly spider. Cause she picks the mystery box. And then like, yeah, the, never the, the, pick the mystery box. The dad of the family, Sheldon is almost guillotined, but then dread shows up and like the host and the, and the, uh, and the sexy assistant of the show try to escape. But as the guillotine falls, dread, dread shoots the guillotine <laughs> and it splits the guillotine in half and it goes flying and hits both those guys in the backs and kills them. Oh, it's awesome. Hey man. Uh, no way you could win playing against the law. <laughs> and then Sheldon goes to jail, I'd assume, also, because that's what you do when you're Judge Dredd. <laughs> uh, he probably arrested the audience while he was at it. <laughs> Very likely. So, okay, let's get back to this uh, Apocalypse War, Fox. The, uh, the Mega City 1 defenders are fighting back oh, yeah. against the remaining East Meg 1 army with renewed vigor as Kazan confronts Dredd and his team. He tosses them into the interrogation chamber, and it's only a matter of time before they're, own, they're all broken. Luckily, though, the resistance is mobilizing, stub gun production is heating up, and Judge Hilda Bygod Magruder has reappeared, missing an arm, and is leading the oh, troops yes. against the Sovs. God, she looks so awesome. Yeah, man, she's just got bandages and a giant, uh, like her, her like uh, count her like a uh, council of five like insignia thing is just covering her whole shoulder where her arm used to be. Um, so the tide is quickly changing, um, even as Dread, of course, resists Kazan's torture message methods. He won't scream or break or anything. The battles are going poorly oh, dude, for the Sovs. Full. Yeah, it's like give him like put more on. Like there's no the dial doesn't go any further. <laughs> so, so great. The battle's going poorly. One of Kazan's generals suggests peace and gets shot in the face for his troubles. Um, Anybody after, else want peace? No, nope. oh, we're good. After another round of Russian roulette, which remains not actually Russian, Isaacs decides to take a stand. What? He goes to the chief torturer. What does he want? Your prisoners, and then boom, shot in the chest. So with the pistol, Isaacs frees Dread and his team and lays it out. Basically, Kazan will never surrender, and. But the uh, East Meg troops are too loyal to try to overthrow him. So they basically need dread to kill the war marshal to bring peace. So, you know, they won't kill Kazan himself. Yeah. 
So they so they won't kill Kazan himself, but they decide not to stop Dread from killing Kazan, basically. Yeah. So he's on the intercom. Kazan hears this. He's like, "What the hell?" And nobody is doing anything. They're just they all just basically hold just him down as he gets walks killed. his way through the hallway, gun out, and people are just like, oh, "I'm not. I'm just letting this happen, I guess." Yep. Eventually, Dredd makes his way to the command room. He finds War Marshal Kazan for the crime for crimes against Mega City One. I sentence you to death. Blam! Kazan's last words are that he regrets nothing and apologizes for nothing. He dies, and Dredd accepts the terms of East Meg's unconditional surrenders. Oh, it's good. No terms. No terms. And the apocalypse war is over. In the aftermath of the war. Oh my gosh. Judge Magruder is sworn in as chief judge, and the Sov troops are dropped back at the smoking crater of East Meg 1. Uh, could this be the catastrophe that Judge Dredd predicted? I mean, it's either that or there's worse to come. The end of the apocalypse war! It's so awesome. You're so good. It's so, so good. Yeah. So that's the end of the apocalypse war. I'll let you know the next big Dread epic is in uh, 1984. But there's a lot of stuff to do t- until then. We got to rebuild Mega City One. It's going to be some Judge Child stuff. It's maybe some werewolf action. Next time, Mecha City. What the fuck? What? I, werewolves? Why werewolves? I've said too much already. But yeah, man. Oh, geez. Apocalypse War is so good, right? Oh, man. It may be my favorite Dread epic. I like I it a lot. I, I think it's one of my, I, I think it's my favorite at the moment, at least. It's definitely got like you know mm. the things I've talked about being missing from some of the other ones. Um, this one, especially if you add in uh, Block Mania along with it, really besides oh, yeah. sort of heroic dread action and just the scale of it, it has some really great Mega City One moments of just the city doing things, and then like mm. just how far they were willing to go with this, you know, with um with Dread killing Griffin with half the city being t- completely destroyed and stuff. It just sets a precedent for how far they can, you know, how far they can go over the line and stuff in these mega epics that really, I think, makes, you know, really adds stakes to these things for Judge Dredd, you know? It's not like, I guess, like a stereotypical kind of comic book thing where something big happens, but then, like, there's a dimensional warp or something else happens and everything's back the way it used to be beforehand, you know? Like, Mega City 1... Yeah, like so many people died and so much of the city was just devastated and we're honestly going to see like stories about dealing with the fault with you know with I guess no pun intended the fallout of the apocalypse war for the next like year for many years to come in in Judge Dread. I mean, I've been re- I've been reading the new progs, I've been catching up and there's a ton of like apocalypse stuff in um in Judge Dread right now. I mean, they had, like, a reunion of the squad that went to East Meg 1 and stuff. Um, they, like, the Christ- the uh, the 2017 Christmas special ends with Judge Dredd standing in front of a giant crater and someone saying, like, oh, yeah, this is East Meg 1, you know? <laughs> like, God, it's damn. something that echoes through Judge Dredd for the rest of our time covering it, basically. Um, 
just that like you know there's point like there's there's one point where dread like a like talks to a bunch of school kids and they kind of ask him the questions kids always ask cops like have you ever killed anyone and dread says yes millions you know <laughs> like it's ridiculous <laughs> wow <laughs> jesus but it's also so good. I love this. Um, this is a great epic and just like really just gives Dread a chance to shine, give the city a chance to be amazing. It brings back so much of the stuff we've covered from previous things, whether it's like Max Normal during the Block War or just the different parts of the city and stuff. And then reunites, give us like Judge Giant um, dying, you know, dying tragically. And then, you know, I mean, they don't play a huge part, but like Anderson and Hershey also coming back to do some stuff. And just setting up a new status quo for the city that's very interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I'll get into it more because this is very clearly my my leader for, for yeah. this month. Um, but goddamn, do I love this epic. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm adding some extra stuff in case this, this one this gets collected so it gets wrapped up a little bit. But anyhow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, after that, it's hard to go forward, but let's check something out with 305 Future Shocks. <laughs> At least they don't overstay their welcome. Yeah, there's a bunch of bunch of quick Alan Moore Future Shocks in this one. I think all of them are like two, two pages at most. Um, first up, there is Skirmish. Uh, script robot Alan Moore, art robot Dave Gibbons, lighting robot Tony Jacob. You know, uh, just a little pre-meeting by the uh, team that would go on to do Watchmen, of course. Um, with this time getting together for just a little two-pager, but some cool-looking extra-dimensional aliens that accidentally warp into a game of Space Invaders instead of actual Earth <laughs> and get killed by the uh, kid playing Space Invaders. Again, I think Ian Gibson, or I think uh, Gibbons, I'm sorry, D- Dave Gibbons is a great uh, art for the robot, for, for the aliens. They look very, like, uh, fancy and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Next up, it's the writing on the wall. Script robot Alan Moore, art robot Jesus Redondo, letting robot Tony Jacobs. This is a color future shock. We got two of those this month because Dread was a rerun oh, and then there were snap. coloring problems with it. Yeah, so a pair of explorers are seeking to find the end of the galaxy. They've hit a literal oh, giant brick wall that seems to span around all of space. It goes on forever, but they can depict some parts of it are different colors than others. So maybe if they like scan it all, there'll be a message that they can find, although it's just like, you know, light years <laughs> wide and stuff. So the process takes months, but eventually they're able to process the uh, images, the giant brick wall at the end of the universe. Oh my God. And written on it is, Big George rules, okay? So awesome. <laughs> the bitter end. <laughs> so Next, great. It's pretty good, man. That's a weird, such a weird, um, like, I guess you, maybe UK only, um, uh, a graffiti thing. I gotta. I, we gotta find a way to bring mm. it to America somehow. But uh, the <laughs> the the sump the X rules. Okay, uh, uh, formula. So next up is uh, the Wild Frontier script robot Alan Moore, letting robot Dave Gibbons, letting uh, letting robot Dave Gibbons also. So oh man, Fox, roll out your goddamn cowboy puns for this t- full color two pager. As the evil outlaw Billy oh the God. Squid has taken over a town in the Old West as being quite a jerk with his tentacles all over everything and stuff until he's met oh by God. the true law of the West, the Clone Ranger. He's the pistol packing polypoid. I demand more Wild West puns. That's all I can say. <laughs> Dude, it's it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Final Future Shock. Yeah, Final Future Shock is The Big Day. Uh, script robot Alan Moore, art robot Robert oh, Smith, art robot Tom Frame. So, a bunch of religious fanatics have met our meet at a mysterious giant pillar. The gods are coming soon. Hey, what's that in the sky? Why, it's the foot of Neil Armstrong because these guys are super duper tiny. They live on the moon and they're worshiping the ladder of the lunar lander. Oh my God. And they just get crushed. You know, I can't tell if I'm bored by these. Oh, the aliens are actually really tiny stories or if I'm amused by them. I kind of have both feelings, honestly. It just depends on the execution. I mean, you know it's coming. Like, that's the problem. It's, it's like, very... oh, look, they're like crazy heretics, and it's all about how these new things are about to show up, and then it's like, oh, but they're tiny. Like It's almost always we... that. The first, the first Future Shock we had that was Space Invaders, I re- like the first page, I was like, okay, these guys are either in a video game or they're tiny. Like, it's one of those two, you know? <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> yeah, I have future shocks, man. You know. you know, I mean, these guys are just sort of two pagers. They're just sort of there to cut, take up space, and sort of be the color, be the quick color pages. Especially this month when there were some problems with the a final stages of the apocalypse war and stuff like that. You know, they do what they do. Yeah. They get in, they get out. You know, it's just sort of they're they're doing what Better they're meant they're to like do. That. Yeah, they're just a little bit of a gamble. Ah. Uh, Speaking of gambling, Fox, buddy, it's Thrill Six Ace Trucking. So, script oh, robots. yeah. Alan Grant and John Wagner is Grant Grover. Art robots Massimo Bellardinelli. Letting robots Steve Potter. So, first, we, we're, we're going to do. We're in the wrap up um, prog for the last lug to Abu Dhabi story. We've covered the last two episodes. Uh, Ace unfreezes his crew, and then the rest of the luggers from suspended animation cures them of the uh, Hebel poisoning that causes the Abu Dhabi affliction. And then once the luggers are free, and, uh, you know, check out among them, there's a Bellardinelli cameo, Fox. I'm sure you picked that up. Just whenever there's a a bald-bearded guy, (laughs) there here he is, you know? (laughs) But so, they all line up to take turns kicking the shit out of Spawny Plank. (laughs) Hey, man, he deserves it. After getting beaten to a, with an inch of his life, he is encased in his own plastine and set adrift Im- around the space waves, 10-10 and never again. Fuck. But the question remains, Fox, what are we going to do with all this treasure, right? I mean, we split oh, it man, up. Oh, man, it must be cursed. Yeah, well, that's definitely Ace's thing. Like, man, these this stuff is all cursed. We can't... Uh, spend it and all the superstitious luggers agree of course so ace drops the freed truckers off at the local lugger union and then goes to collect Mm -hmm. the treasure because of course all that cursed stuff was a convenient lie and he wants to make all the money himself but But, he he parked the bloomeroo the bloomeroo too close to a sun and as the team arrives they see they get there just in time to see the ship obliterated by the fiery inferno oh man you know easy come easy go i guess (laughs) (laughs) i Um, mean this tends to be the way with a scarf definitely yeah all we've got out of this whole scenario was a sweet crown for feek and a new crew member one of those sentient rats from aboard the ship (laughs) (laughs) anyhow enough of that fox let's go to astropolis 
a cool city on a big asteroid. Or it would be if all the aliens that live there weren't trying to escape. Something bad's coming to town. What is it? Why, it's time for the Jubaloo! The annual lovers convention. Just we see a thousand... Like the space trucks come boiling out of the sp- out of the black, uh, the, and then just a t- a huge mass of crazy aliens just rushing forward to get involved in fights and gambling and drinking and all kinds of stuff. Oh man, may the Mac Mac flow. Yeah. Drink some Mac Mac, gamble, get in a fight, cause some trouble. <laughs> um, yeah, and then gamble on uh, on the rebound. Yeah, Ace meets up with Fatty Arkle, of course, who owns his, who drives his other truck. Um, while Feek runs afoul of his wife, who he hasn't seen in 10 years, she's like a skeletoid, but she's got boobs and like a big beehive hairdo or something. Yeah. She's weird looking. They, they independently wiggle. I, I love and she's got, <laughs> they she, give she, them their own physics. She's, she's got a very like uh, Southern Belle by way of Mickey, Ma- by a w- w- way of Minnie Mouse kind of personality, I'd say. Also. Yeah. Weird. Um, so a GBH and Fatty compete in the Smack Up, which is a contest to drink basically a barrel of Mac Mac. Uh, GBH oh, loses, so awesome. but he's pretty much just doing it for fun, Fox. He's just trying to start things right by drinking an ass load of Mac Mac. Uh, Fatty Arkle <laughs> actually wins, but now he's drinking so much that he'll be nod side trucking for the rest of the Jubilee. He's just gonna be knocked out for like the next week, basically. <laughs> I mean, he's also belching fire. So. Oh, yeah. Anyhow, Ace checks his cash. It's time for the real challenge of the event. Big time gambling. So let's roll oh, some dice. Yeah. And he's real good. Yeah. Ace does well at the start, but he basically just sort of earns an armload of cash just to be his stake for the real gambling. Or, you know, it would be, except once he gets there, he starts losing. And soon as he's lost it all, including the deeds to his two space trucks, to his biggest rival, Jago Kane! I'm telling you, man, this guy, like, just don't gamble against Jago Kane. He's always got it out for you, bud. I don't care for this Jago Kane character, I must say. But what, what can he do, Fox? The answer... GBH is going to have to win the Battle of the Biffos, which is like, you know, the uh, the muscle, the tough guy on a space truck. And then they'll but man, use that. That ain't enough money to get our stuff back. Yeah. Well, okay. They're going to have to supplement that by making some big old bets in GBH's favor for when he wins. But they don't have any seed money for that. So how are they going to get that money, Fox? Oh, man, I have no idea. I guess maybe sell Feek's crown. Yeah, snag Feek's crown and pawn that shit, buddy. Um, oh, God. The problem is that Feek really doesn't want to give away his crown, man. That's the last thing he has from that Blue Maru situation. So, Other than but, the pig rat, I guess. Yeah, but Ace makes him a deal, all right? Ace will get the crown if or if he manages to uh, get Feek's wife off of Feek's back for the rest of the, of the, of, of the Jubilee. Deal? All right. <laughs> Which, ah, man, where things go from this, though? It's crazy, man. Uh, Ace manages to get a, uh, to convince Mrs. Feek to go to the city nature garden with him, where he proceeds to put the moves on her. And it seems to be going good until she a- he asks him what she thinks of him, and she replies with her non-Feek uh, catchphrase of BEAST! And then socks him in the head. Which, oh, because the dude made out with her. 
<coughs> oh yeah, no, this is like, you know, this is not a good way to try to deal with ladies. Like, don't follow Ace's thing. She's justified. But with the romance option <laughs> off the table, Ace resorts to mo- more direct methods. He catches Mrs. Feek in a net and then uh, mails her to the farthest place away in the galaxy they can think of. World's end. So, with that taken care of, the boys sell off Feek's crown and prepare for the Biffo match. But the guy they sell it to, our old buddy uh, Slivy Weech, uh, spills the info to Jago Kane, and Kane decides he's going to fix Ace good. Next time, Battle of the Biffos. Man, that guy gets so touchy-feely with everyone. He just, like, barfs and touches them. It's, like, super yeah, gross. For what's essentially like a mobile stew, he's, he's a very close talker. Absolutely. Mm. But, Fox! Oh, Bud Conrad. That is it for Thrills for this June 1982! Jeez, oh, man. And it so was the, real good. The only thing that remains for us is to ask you, Fox, what were your top and bottom thrills for this month? Oh, Bobby. I mean, top's going straight to Judge Dredd. Mm. I, um, you know, uh, at least for me, the development of who this guy actually is Mm. (laughs) like you it's it's not as though he hasn't been like ruthless is a weird word for it but he's definitely lawful to the most possible extreme sure but he's also never killed this many people uh in this many ways Uh, and i don't think anybody has like just a factual number yeah you know Yeah, and and just like his his justification for it, and his justification for basically anything that he does, yeah, including killing his longtime friend Judge Griffin, mm-hmm. um, like just shoots him, <laughs> like yeah. doesn't try to take him captive and and rebrainwash him. Just like nope, you you done a bad, yeah, kills five hundred billion people with with three super bombs. Uh, like loses friends in the process, doesn't care. That's all part of the line of duty. Like, yeah, I mean the just, uh, the surety that intense. Dread operates with is very is like a key part of that character and such an interesting thing, you know. Yeah, I guess like it's it's just that this made it really come to life for me more Definitely. than some of this other stuff where it's just been like, oh, that's yeah, of course that's how Judge Dread is. But in this case, it's like, oh, like. This is the other logical extreme, other than the yuck yuck. He's Judge Dread. It's like, oh, this is like just a, this is a guy that will go to any lengths for the justification yeah. of his morals. Absolutely. So it's a, it was very intense, and I, I loved it. Nice. Loved it a lot. That's awesome. I'm I, I, I'm I'm super stoked that you really liked this this epic for sure. Um, I think that's really great. Yeah. For bottom man, I don't know. I guess like. I don't. I don't feel like I hated Mean Arena a whole lot, mm-hmm. but I also feel like so the the one that's competing for bottom is is Rogue Trooper or Mean Arena. Rogue mm-hmm. Trooper is just starting off on its first uh, like epic, and I think you're right. Like what I really enjoyed out of it is just like these weird situations and weird troopers. So yeah, once again, I'm I'm sorry, Mean Arena. You're getting you're getting toasted. You gotta get to your vendetta shit faster. I think Mina Arena I guess knows don't that. Don't show us many weird bad people. Yeah, I think Mina Arena knows that it's on the bottom. You know, I, th- I think it, it's okay with its lot in life. You know, like <laughs> yeah, whatever. I don't know. At least it's not Wolfie Smith. 
It's true. Yeah, I mean, Mean Arena's fine, dude. Whatever. Yeah, for me, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on both counts, man. Um, Judge Dredd is oh, so yeah, good. Solidarity. For the stuff that I talked about earlier, like uh, this is just just high level Judge Dredd, this apocalypse war stuff. Um, you know, it's been a joy to go through it again, and I'm just so excited for the stuff that comes after it. Like the fallout from the apocalypse war has some great stuff in it that I'm really looking forward to. Um, and bottom, I'm gonna say Mean Arena, man. Like you know, it's just it's just not the best one. You know, I mean, I like. Ace yeah. Trucking was really was really funny. Um, I really liked all the different, like you know, uh, Nort attackers and how Rogue took care of them. Um, I I'm really loving Robo Hunter in Britsit. I think that's really fun, you know. And yeah. like and like I'd say like Future Shocks. These weren't like super Future Shocks, but like each one of them was two pages long. Like they're really that's what I'm talking about. Like you can't like judge them against an actual comic because they're more sort of there to just, just kind of be you know kind of to fill space almost, or just to like you know just to be like a fun little thing. And I think a lot of these ones um, succeeded in being just like a little chuckle. Like you sort of you know you spent a page or two reading the thing and. And then, like, oh, no, like, there's Neil Armstrong. Or, oh, no, like, there's, like, the kid <laughs> blowing him up, you know? And it's like, <laughs> like, like you know, it's yep. like, all right. And you kind of move on. That's, like, what I want. That's all I need out of a Future Shock, you know? If a Future Shock does more than that, oh, then it's yeah. going above and beyond the Call of Duty, you know? But as it is, you get in, you get out, you got the twist, it's fine. So, Mean Arena, you know, it's just, like, Mean Arena's fine this week. We've had worse Mean Arenas than this one. We've had better That's ones, too. But, you know, like, it's just like, you know, yeah, like they're playing the bats. It's the sport thing. Like, this isn't great. It's not as great. It's not as good as the other stuff. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's how I started. That's how I'm going to end it. Like, you know, there's just these things have a thrill quotient. And Mean Arena has the least amount of thrill power. That's a fact. That is a certifiable fact. And, you know. Oh, man. I can't feel bad about making the bottom there. Full range. Well, like, I'm just trying to, like, I'm just saying that, like, I feel like sometimes I feel bad about just having always the same thing be in the bottom. Like, it's a whipping boy or oh, something. Sure, but like, because I feel like it um, it, it can it can feel kind of lazy sometimes just be like, oh, yeah, that's the worst one. So it's in the bottom or something. But, man, you know, Mean Arena earns its spot. You know, if something, if these are, if other ones are not good, I'll be quick to say it. But at this point, like, I'm very comfortable just saying that, yeah, Mean Arena's in the bottom. That's that's how it goes, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, anyhow. I agree. Yeah. Like, yeah. So whatever. Do better, Mean Arena. That's what I'm saying. I want to put <laughs> you higher up, all right? You got to do better, though, because, and it's tough for you because you're competing against four other thrills that are literal, like, classic, like, Hall of Fame thrills, Amazement. you know? <laughs> Like, exactly. Like Robo Hunter, Ace Trucking, Rogue Trooper, Dread, and especially Dread in the middle of a mega epic. Like, you know, like, I mean, um, three of these comics have new versions of them coming out in 2000 AD now, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think there's a reason no one remembers. Yeah. 
this coming. Whatever. Anyhow, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. You can always wow. find Space Spinner <laughs> 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site, thecradaline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter at Space Spinner 2K for everything else. Look up Space Spinner 2000. We should be there. Come back next. Come back next time, which will be this Thursday. As we continue Ooh. our schedule and cover the 1983 Judge Dredd Annual. Uh, it's a fun one. Let's it's got go. a bunch of new content. A couple new stories drawn by Carlos Escara And classic Dredd stories by Mick McMahon. Um, a lot of it's about the fallout from the Apocalypse War. So I'm pretty excited that we finished it this episode, oh, awesome. I gotta say. Like, you know, we'll see mm-hmm. like what, what Max Normal is up to now that the city's in ruins and stuff like that. It should be a good time. Hell yeah, and, man. Yeah, buddy. And until then, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendig for Thrig! Splendig for Thrig! Something inside